the nature of your emergency. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, police, fire, military, and families. And to everybody who is listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast, I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and I'm super, super excited. I think I heard that puppy just now. <laughs> we have we have three puppies downstairs, so if you hear them, I apologize in advance. And I want to I pause for a second. I know I usually start these out the same way every single time, but if you've listened to my content for any length of time, then you know that the universe has this divine way of aligning things. And I want to give a massive shout out to all the mothers out there. But just as important as that, I want to give a shout out to everybody who is missing their mom this Sunday in particular. And today's guest aligns perfectly with that topic. Um, Lee had reached out to me. Lee Atherton, it's so nice to have you on our show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world or when you're listening. <laughs> I am smiling. Thank you very much. And um, I don't want to forget this, but we are doing a giveaway. Lee, you have an ebook. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. My ebook is created for um, folks who serve others and who encounter death and dying in their work. And I think our first responders definitely do encounter that. It's called Don't Let the Well Run Dry. Daily and yes, <laughs> whoever put that snacks in the comments, we're also going to be giving away a 50-piece Crave Box snack box. So if you want to type in ebook down below, I'll make sure and I'll send you the direct link to Lee's ebook. And whoever comments the most within 24 hours, I will go ahead and send you that amazing snack box. And snacks are made for sharing, this box in particular. So um, as we're going about this episode, I know today's content is a little bit more sensitive. A lot of what we might talk about are things that people don't talk about. And having experienced the death of my mother, I know these are things that in retrospect, I wish that we had more education and, and proper, even, even in grade school, right? Like a better understanding of this before it's too late. So if you guys have any questions down below, please go ahead and drop them down. And if we can't answer it here, then Lee's in our group and I'll make sure that we go ahead and tag you. Good morning, good morning. So Lee, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am from Massachusetts, born and raised here. I am an end of life and grief and resilience coach. Work that I absolutely am passionate about. Uh, End of life and grief, pretty self-explanatory. The resilience work is, came when I first began um, working as a fire chaplain and realizing, oh my gosh, how much you all go through, how much you give of yourselves and often are taken for granted or ignored, certainly not appreciated in the ways that I've come to appreciate you. Um, so the resilience work is working with folks who are in EMS in any, any uniform to be more resilient so that you can keep going to work with that passion and drive that brought you to the job to begin with, right? It gets heavy. It's hard. It's overwhelming at times and burnout is often just around the corner. So how can yeah. you avoid that and still yeah. enjoy going to work? 
You guys are talking about puppy snacks here. It reminds me of those Scooby snacks, which are absolutely delicious. I don't know why graham crackers in a completely different shape just taste so much better. But yeah, so <laughs> more fun. Lee, how how does somebody begin this type of work as it pertains to being somebody who helps others during their own death, during their own grief and loss of a loved one? How does somebody even venture into being able to serve other people in that way? Hmm. I think one of the first steps is being comfortable with death. You know, you mentioned learning about death and understanding it. Even before that is just being comfortable. And it's as simple as being in the presence of death with someone, often being quiet, right? Just being that compassionate presence without feeling like you have to find the right words to say, or um, it's often no words that are more comforting. I know when I was experienced, my mom got sick and then nine months later, she passed away. And I wish so bad that I had somebody like you in my life during that time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I did, a, you know, I have my own coaching training and certifications and all the things, but a lot of it was nobody teaches us the the legalities and like the step-by-step -step mm -hmm. process of things that we actually have to do when you're the responsible one for that. So can you talk a little about a little bit about maybe some ways that you help people through that? Yes. So the first step is planning way ahead of time. Uh, and I, I talk about none of us know when the crisis is going to hit. You know, we could be in our 20s and we get in a traumatic accident and the end of life is in front of us. So it's never too early to start thinking about what end of life is going to be like. And not just not just having a will or knowing if you want to be on life support or not, mm -hmm. but um, what do you want spiritually? What do you want emotionally? Do you want to be at home or in a hospital? And that changes as we grow and and become more wise as life goes on. But then when end of life is near, uh, there are so many resources and such. So I, I try and be a non-judging person. So no matter who you are, where, where you're at, what you're going through, I'm there to just walk with you, to hold your hand, to be beside you. Um, offering the wisdom that I have, helping you find your own wisdom. And if you have questions that I don't know the answer to, I'm going to find them for you. Because that yeah, we, life, none of us want to, I mean, our brain is uh, just so focused on our end of life or our loved ones that we don't want to have to like go find out how do I do this? What funeral home should I use? You, you made some amazing points just now, because I know having experienced that before, I wish my mom had a plan. I wish that that was already mapped out to where I didn't have to make those because a lot of those decisions are so personal and so private that one should be able to make them for themselves. But if that conversation isn't had beforehand, um, then you, you just have to guess and do what you think feels right. And shifting a little bit to a survivor or somebody who is a caretaker, we have somebody here that says, what is heavy at times, I was able to save others, but not my own mom. So Lee, what advice would you maybe give to somebody who has, and I'm, I'm just going to assume here, because I don't know the context of this, but perhaps some um, survivor's guilt. Yes. 
survivor's guilt is huge. <sighs> Be kind to yourself. And, you know, intellectually, we can tell ourselves that, that we don't need to be guilty, but it's owning that in your heart. Um, the best we can do is the best we can do. And that is enough. Knowing if you gave your mom the best you could, that's all that anyone can ask of you. And if you weren't able to save her, and again, we don't know your, the situation, um, we can't save everyone. Everyone dies. And if you were there, if someone was there with her, that's, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah. Sometimes it feels um, like somebody's spitting out words when you say them like that, because we don't hear people say and speak so vulnerably often when it comes to death. But yes, everybody dies. And I think piggybacking off of this same question, I don't know if it's the same person, but with knowing somebody who passed away at a younger age, how can you deal with it when you still have survivor's guilt after 17 years? So the, the if I'm understanding correctly, the person died 17 years ago? Yeah, and it seems that they passed away at a young age. At a young age. And how do you deal with that? Hmm. Hard to answer generically without knowing the situation. Um, I tell people face grief when it's there, dig mm -hmm. into all those hard feelings, um, the, the challenges, I, I, I use the analogy of riding a class five whitewater river and how chaotic and overwhelming that can be. Um, when we don't face it head on. When it starts, it comes back to bite us. And it sounds like maybe that is <laughs> my grandson saying hi. <laughs> maybe hey, buddy. what's happening um, or what has happened. You didn't have the support back then. Um, yeah, that, that's a great point because that doesn't mean that support can't still exist even if something happened that long ago. I'm not sure who posted that. I'll go back and... Maybe we'll have a, another conversation about this. It says we were both at a younger age. Um, I'm going to kiss whoever posted this question on the cheek. It says for first responders who are typically typically the first on the scene, how can we not only be supportive to the family, but get our jobs done as well? Hmm. <laughs> right. How can you can't be in two places at one time? Right. I my biggest suggestion there is. Uh, does your department have a chaplain on board who's involved and active and have that person as part of your call list? Because when we are there, we can be the ones who help support the family so that you don't have to. Um, your main focus is there to, to put out the fire, to um, give medical attention to the person who's hurt. Uh, and it, it, when the family is there, calls that attention away. Um, I think being able to respond to the family that, um, you know, I, I care about you. I care about what you're feeling. But right now I need to pay attention to this. And I'll come back to you. Right. Yeah. Letting you know they're not uh alone. 
I want to point at every single one of you that's listening to this, because I, I know from so many clients that I've worked with, you try to be all of it to everyone. And Lee, that was, that was the best advice is to (laughs) understand that there are additional resources that are there to be allocated so that you can focus on the main task at hand, whatever your main job analysis is. So for me, it's not the prepping, it's dealing with the loss. What are some of the coping strategies, Lee, that you might be able to share for people who have lost a loved one? Hmm. Coping strategies include uh, be kind to yourself. Let yourself off the hook, right? We always try and help everyone else. When do we take care of ourselves? That's a priority. Are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you not going and taking care of it in unhealthy ways? Find um, someone to talk to who can just listen. In my course on resilience, I do a lot about preparing ahead of time. Who are your 2 a.m.ers is a question I ask. It's the middle of the night. Who can you call and just say, it sucks right now and I need to talk? someone who knows you, knows what you're doing, and who you can say ahead of time, you know, you're in my wheelhouse. I need you to be there for me. And, you know, um, here's what I need when I call. Sometimes when we get to know ourselves, uh, some of us need just a silent ear on the end of the phone where we can just have verbal diarrhea some of us need someone who's going to be the, the voice, who calms us, who gives us uh, reassurance. But having yeah. a place. I, I love that. I know that on your website I had seen, I think you called it end of life planning workshop. And yeah. that was that was something that I thought was incredible because if I can be super vulnerable for a second, you guys, my yeah. father, he developed onset dementia when my mom passed away. And so he's also incredibly stubborn and incredibly successful. He is a contractor and he refuses to stop working. And he also refuses additional screening and treatment as it pertains to this. And unless I want to take away all his legal rights, I, I can't do anything about it. So with that said, the, you know, we talked about the intellectual element of the way that our minds work. I think about things like, okay, what is going to happen when he passes away in terms of like all the things that you have to do. I don't even know how to go about something like that. And maybe as you're, you're talking, you're, you're all listening here. I see somebody says the planning was difficult as well. It is very difficult when there's, it's a different situation, the dynamics of when my mom passed away versus the thinking about that happening with my dad, because there's so much more in terms of finances and just the properties and legal things. So I think that having somebody that, it brings me a great deal of comfort, Lee, knowing that there is something that not only I can do to strategize now to alleviate some of that worry, but to know that I'm gifting that to myself now when that time does come. So I think that is a really, really cool thing. And I know that I saw that on your website. People can go on um, and we'll link it here down below too. The key ingredient is taking care of yourself. Putting that in action is hard because it feels guilty. Yes, but Lee also made an incredible point just now because she says, if we say, Hey, John, I am fine right now, but I just want you to know that I'm putting together my 2 a.m. list. This is what a 2 a.m. list is. And is it okay if when I'm having a moment, I call you and I'm telling you that in advance because I don't want you to think that, you know, things are are crazier than they are when I need somebody to just hold space for me. 
So I think a lot of that guilt might be taken off and alleviated if you're you're preframing it in that way to begin with. And that's, what do you think, if I can jump in, that's why I titled this book, Don't Let the Well Run Dry, right? We are a well of whatever it is we're giving. And if we keep giving without refilling it, we can't give anymore, right? If you don't take care of you, you're not going to be able to take care of the people that you serve. Yeah. Thankful for Ashley. I'm not going to read that out loud because it's going to make me cry, but thank you. And you're welcome. A lot of first responders do not feel comfortable talking with fellow employees and supervisors due to the backlash. Lee, in your experience as a chaplain, what advice would you give to this person? That is, it's so true, right? The Sometimes the people that you think are trustworthy and the your closest are the ones who so unfortunately turn around and stab you in the back. I've seen it happen a lot. Um, finding, uh, you know, I know locally for me, there are places where our first responders can go. Do you have a CISM team, critical incident stress management, lots of, uh, specific training for supporting first responders by peers. And part of our training in that is um, being available anytime and that confidentiality, being trusted peers who you can know aren't going to go and share your story. Yeah. Having a battle buddy is important. Hashtag don't let the well run dry. You can't pour (laughs) from an empty cup. That is where integrity comes in. Yes. Which I think that in, in going with the battle buddy and then the integrity element of this, having somebody even at work, I know that with my husband, we didn't talk about this Lee, but he is a detective and he works with um, the internet crimes against children. So for him, having an individual that off, off the books, so to speak, you can have that agreement with, um, be it somebody that you do work with or somebody that is outside of your your career or industry altogether, I think is very, very important. Ashley Walton is an unsung. I won't read that one either, but thank you, you guys, so much. <laughs> it, it's a, a little bit more of an emotional episode for me, um, in all honesty, for the reasons that I discussed in the beginning. So I think that having ways to be able to to better strategize not only the death of somebody that we love, but to also be real about the inevitable of that happening to ourselves. I think it, it is, if I can be blunt, it is very selfish for us to not do that. And I'm using the word selfish as a child of a mom who didn't have that kind of planning done. So if we can all just actualize that for a second and then to, to know that we can, we can really change what happens after our death, if we're able to plan ahead. Absolutely. It's, it's giving your family peace of mind, right? And the, the families of folks who have died and done this work oh, is what I hear from them. What a gift. I didn't have to think of this right away. Um, and the this is a lot of different areas. Um, even things like, what do you want your funeral to be like? Uh, I tell the story of my mom, who was very clear about what she wanted her funeral to look like. Nobody better wear black, or I'll come back to haunt you. (laughs) Right? It can be funny. 
right? Some of those things. And when at the funeral, our pastor, he had on a black suit jacket and he started with taking that off and tossing it to the side and making a comment about mom's wishes. And that was really neat. We look back on that with a bit of a chuckle because we were able to plan ahead, know that that was what she wanted and make some fun with it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, that was only one piece at the same time. Such a relief in that those days are chaotic, overwhelming, even if you know death is coming. And to have that in place was such a gift. It, yeah, that sounds like, and that makes me me happy and puts me in that moment because I know the feeling of being at somebody's funeral like that and the the angst being alleviated, just seeing him throw his jacket in that way. And <laughs> I apologize, Lee. I feel like my facial expressions are incredibly incongruent talking about death. And then I have all of our beautiful people inside of our Facebook group talking about what few French fries that I eat and all the chocolate that I like to eat. So yes, humor is a valuable weapon. Um, I believe that having it planned takes off the weight. So maybe you won't be so overwhelmed when the emotional side starts to take over. That is an incredible point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I know that we're going a little bit over Lee and I hope it's okay because um, okay, I do have a, a few more selfish questions here, but <laughs> I, I'm picturing you had said that when somebody does have this kind of planning already in place, how the, how I'm seeing it in my mind is just that, that family circle that seems to feel tighter and tighter when you know that you're about to lose somebody or perhaps when you yourself are about to pass away. And I'm just wondering if you can share a little bit with us about the work that you do with people. Let's say that I just found out that somebody in my family was passing away and I reached out to you to connect and you helped with some of the things that I might not be thinking about because emotionally I'm not thinking um, in a logistical sense. What are some of the things that you walk me through or even the individual that is passing away through during a time like that? Mm-hmm. My goal is for people to reach that last breath with being able to be in peace and acceptance. What everyone needs to get there is there's such a wide range. So some of my conversation is what needs to be said, what needs to be done, Um, going through what do you want the end to look like in terms of Um, who are the people that you want to be around you? What do you want your environment to be like? Um, What do you want your family or your loved ones to know Hmm. after you die? Um, And for the person who has a loved one who's dying, some of those same questions. What do you want to, what will allow you to come to that space and beyond and have no regrets about what though that end time was like, whether it's days or months or, or more. Yeah, this is why I'm truly passionate about being in the life insurance industry. My goal is to help everybody at least, yeah, start putting a plan in place. Right. This may sound cold, but I grieve over my pets more so than I do with people. Lee, I want to know yeah. your take on why this person says that they sound cold. And um, maybe your take on why that might not be true. Oh, it is not cold at all. It is not, right? Our pets are 
you know, when shadow goes, <laughs> I'm probably going to cry more with shadows passing than I will with my mom or my dad. He is my best friend. Our pets are there for us. They're like in such a different way. Right? Mm -hmm. So please don't feel that it's cold and, and no guilt. <laughs> um, in fact, I, I think that our grief over our pets is so important to be talked about. Um, I've got a pet grief support group. Right? I like it's, that. It's important. It, yeah, yeah. That is powerful. And I see the passion in your gift, Miss Lee. Yes. <laughs> Quote, what do I want the end of my life to look like? I lost two in less than two months. I'm guessing that's Michael. It lost two dogs in less than two months. Pets are gifts to us by our creator, God. He made, yeah, you know, I, I read something recently that talked about how they believed that our animals, our pets are our angels. And I thought that was such a sweet take on it because there, there is nothing more beautiful than that spiritual and nonverbal connection that we have with our animals. Even when I'm outside, like cleaning up the horse poop, it's just such a beautiful connection. <laughs> I think I'd want to go out laughing, preferably while saying something funny like the neighbor from Office Space. <laughs> you guys, you, you have been incredibly um, courteous and supportive, and I, I love the conversation that's going on in here. So please continue it for us. Lee will address any more questions that you have. And I, I want you to understand what a valuable resource this is. And I'm saying that after hundreds of interviews that I've done, because I've never encountered somebody who is providing us with such a resource that I've never even considered before. And yet it's the type of resource that we should all have in our toolbox. And it, it actually is upsetting that we don't have that because we, we will all eventually need it. So Lee, what is the best way to get a hold of you? My email is the best way. And that's Lee, L-E-E, -E, at coachrev.com. Coach like a life coach, Rev short for reverend.com. And please don't let the reverend or the fact that I'm a chaplain scare you away because it's not all about religion at all. And uh, I don't even bring that into my conversations unless my the person I'm supporting brings it up. Beautiful. And I'll go ahead and I'll link that down below. Everybody say thank you to Lee. Go ahead and tag her down below. And um, Lee, maybe we should have you come on again because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this and I feel like we could keep talking. So thank you so much. I would love to. Thanks, everyone. I look forward to jumping in and reading your comments and reach out anytime. Thank you. Yeah.